Today is Thursday, October 6, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Governor DeSantis and President Biden set aside their differences. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Joining me, as always, to get through the news of the day, Tregons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. What is going on, guys? Happy Friday, Junior, to you. You know, it's been it's been a crazy week. It's just been zooming As always, along. yes. Like, how are we already to Friday, Junior, right? It seems like know. we were just up at the crack of dawn on Monday with everybody. Yes, <laughs> yes. But we love starting our day with each and every one of you. Yes. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Planned Parenthood, guys, that's one of the stories we're looking at. They're upset with Netflix. And in our main thing today, one of the stars of Chosen talks about the show and how a chance encounter with Justin Bieber changed his perspective on faith. Very interesting story there. And that's on the main thing today. But we're going to start with the news in 90 seconds. President Biden held a joint briefing in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis and Biden promised Floridians the government will be there until it's finished after touring the damage from Hurricane Ian. DeSantis, for his part, was cordial, thanking Biden for the team effort in helping Florida during this obvious tough time after Hurricane Ian. DeSantis was among the first to greet Biden when he arrived. Republicans Marco Rubio and Rick Scott were also on hand. Well, social media images show Kiev's troops in the strategic eastern region for the first time since the conflict began. This comes as Ukraine continues to press forward despite Putin declaring he's annexed portions of the country. And a 51-year-old tech executive named Eugene Yu was arrested Tuesday and accused of compromising the personal information of hundreds of county elections employees by storing their information on a server in China, exactly what their $3 million government contract told him he couldn't do. And a New York judge has ruled that people in polyamorous relationships are entitled to the same legal protections as married people. Judge Karen May Bakdayan wrote that what was normal or non-traditional in 1989 is not a barometer for what is normal or non-traditional now. You can read about that story and more over at CBNnews.com. This is an interesting ruling, guys, from this New York judge because this is something that a lot of us have talked about. The slippery slope, everyone shrugs it off, but here we are looking to try to legitimize polyamorous relationships who knows where it goes next right this was always this was part of the conversation initially about this once you start to tinker you know with the law you know where does it end it doesn't just end at that first sort of move it it ends somewhere further on down the line so i think we're just starting to get down the line it's unfortunate that we're hearing this argument from a judge we've heard it from the culture for years i think it's so flawed that if it's old it must be wrong and if it's modern and new then it must be the right thing uh we we do that all the time like we value younger people more than older people uh, and we we think well this, this bible this text has been around for so long so it's outdated at this point we hear that kind of argument all the time. So it's unfortunate and kind of scary to hear that legal reasoning coming from uh, a judge uh, who's obviously upholding the Constitution as her duty. Uh, that's an old document. Uh, so, you know, I just wonder where can this end up going with all kinds of different things? Yeah. And we've talked about it a lot, but just you know, following these ideas, some of these ideas that are secular, that a lot of the culture has adopted, you follow them to their logical ends 
And this is the sort of thing that you, when you say love is love, I mean, this is the sort of thing that you have to start accepting because you've now just opened the door. You have not put any line, no basis for any of the morality you um, supposedly want to uphold. And so then you start to see all kinds of things start to be justified. And I think that's what we're seeing here. But I also wanted to just chime in real quick, guys. I think it's a good thing to see President Biden and Governor DeSantis holding this joint press conference. I'm sure people are going to be making political hay out of this all day long. It's a good thing in the midst of a disaster to see both the right and left just try to do what's right. Well, yeah, you got to have a dress rehearsal for the presidential debates too in 2024, <laughs> right? So you got to have that. That's what a lot of people think it'll be. Right, right. No, but I do think it, it is good. It's nice that, and there was another moment when uh, President Biden kind of set aside the politics when a journalist tried to goad him to get him to say something bad about DeSantis. And he said, this is not the time for that. Like it, his politics doesn't matter when, when it, you know, there are people hurting. So good for Biden for doing that and, and good for the two of them for, setting aside their many, many, many differences and, right. and working together for the people of Florida. Right. As politics goes, it's basically like, look, guys, it's not the time right now. We will bash each other later on right. down yeah. the road. We'll do that <laughs> next week, just not today. <laughs> yeah, you can almost guarantee that'll be coming. But still, nevertheless, good to see that as obviously Floridians are in a desperate time of need right now. So many of them. So, all right. Planned Parenthood, as I mentioned at the top, they're upset at Netflix. And Billy, what is going on here? Why, why is Planned Parenthood upset? So there's this new movie called Blonde. It's a new film about Marilyn Monroe, and it sort of imagines, it's sort of a fictionalized version of her life. But there are a couple of things in this film that pertain to abortion. And those plot lines are upsetting a number of pro-choice people. Planned Parenthood is in the mix. They've sort of been leading the charge. Apparently, there's a scene in which this unborn baby in her womb, you know, that you see sort of a, a fetus, a baby speaking and saying, you won't hurt me this time, will you? And it's this interesting scene where, you know, the baby is talking to her and she's imagining this baby mm. talking to her. And so that is at the at really the centerpiece of why Planned Parenthood is upset. They issued a statement. They said a bunch of things on here, but they also they called it like pro, I think pro-life propaganda, I believe was sort of the phrasing that they used. So what was their main argument here? Well, it really started with the fact that they said, you know, look, film and TV shapes many people's understanding of sexual and reproductive health. These are their words. It's critical these depictions accurately portray women's real decisions and experiences. It goes on to say, Abortion is safe. It's essential health care. And then it says, quote, anti-abortion zealots have long contributed to abortion stigma by using medically inaccurate descriptions of fetuses in pregnancy. So they're basically claiming that it's the it's the pro-life side that's been inaccurate with language, which ironically, it's ironic because we mm. know how language has been used by the pro-choice side. Um, so they're looking for things to reflect reality of what abortion looks like. Um, they went on to basically say that the film bolsters the message of the pro-life side and they didn't like the fact that you had what they called a cgi talking fetus depicted to look like a fully formed baby yeah so they don't like the fact that there's a baby that is speaking and that it's humanizing this you know unborn child that they they're not fans of that yeah given given what they do that makes sense they would be upset with that so what what's the director of the film saying about all this well it's interesting you know the director of the film is saying that this was not intended to be a pro-life moment so like they're out there kind of you know bashing the film going after them his name is andrew dominic and they're basically saying that this is you know propaganda for you know pro-lifers and he's like look 
this is a movie we're trying to show an experience. It's not reality. It's what Marilyn Monroe is essentially feeling. It's her own fears. You know, he's giving an artistic response to it. What was interesting is he's like, look, if this came out five years ago or if it came out in four years, I don't think anybody would be accusing me of this. He feels like it's the Roe v. Wade, you know, the wake of Roe v. Wade that's making everybody sort of imbue their own feelings on what is going on in the film itself, which I think is an interesting response. He's yeah. just basically speaking out against it. Yeah. So what do you think, uh, like Planned Parenthood, they they issued these, a long statement. It wasn't just one short statement. So what do you think is the most curious part of kind of their pushback? Well, they're saying they want things to reflect reality, right? They're saying we have a lot of work to do to make sure everyone who has an abortion can see themselves on screen. The reality is a lot of people who have abortions and a lot of the men who are involved in this they're hurting, they're depressed, they're struggling even years and decades later, so much so that they need to go and get help or join groups to get through it. It's weird to me that because a baby was humanized, that's not good. We can't show that. It's as though they're saying only certain people who have had abortions are allowed to have their experience be shown, but others really aren't, right? That's sort of my takeaway, and I find that very, very bizarre. It is because uh, you would think if you were technically pro-choice if that was if choice was really the mantra that you were championing you would think that they would be completely fine with highlighting one of the choices that you can possibly go through as a pregnant woman it's uh it's certainly an interesting debate i mean and i'll just throw out there guys they complain about misinformation while at the same time saying abortion is safe now abortion is clearly not safe for the human in the womb that's getting killed not safe for them at all. And then they're complaining about misinformation. So there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot to pick apart here. I think it's interesting that you know, the child is, is a human being. I know you mentioned Billy, we're humanizing the child. Well, they are, they already are a human being. So it's kind of, it, it's kind of funny that this is the argument that we're having. It's like, uh, we're talking past the issue and Netflix has become uh, an innocent bystander in this argument because uh, the Planned Parenthood's real issue is not with Netflix or with Blonde or with Marilyn Monroe or with the way the show is depicting an unborn child. Their problem is with reality. They don't like reality, but to distract from reality, they'll get mad at Netflix. It's like this this is a silly argument that we're having because it is a human being and they're just depicting in the show reality the the fact that it's a human you know what's interesting about sin you know we start to say you can have sex with whoever you want to you have babies you know you, whatever you have sex all yeah. the time do whatever you want you do that there's a consequence to it right then instead of not doing that sin you double down on the sin and you create a new sin abortion right yeah then you have to sin again and lie about abortion and what it is <laughs> right. to justify that sin. And it's such a slippery slope of sin upon sin. Compounding sins and they pile one on top of another and it just, it's not a good situation. But uh, interesting nevertheless to see Planned Parenthood out there making their claims and complaining about this one. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure it's not the last we're going to hear from Planned Parenthood. So uh, Billy, thanks for bringing us that one. That leads us into our main thing today, guys. Earlier on in his career, one of the stars of The Chosen, Yoshi Baragas, would have had no interest in being part of a Christian series. But over the years, and thanks in large part, interestingly, to an encounter with Justin Bieber, his perspective changed. Yoshi talked to Trey about the time he ran into Bieber on a hike, and the pop star shared his faith with him and invited him to church. That's today's main thing. 
For each of the cast members of The Chosen, it was an interesting and in some cases surprising road that led them to working on the show about the life and ministry of Jesus. Early on in his career, Yoshi Barigas, who portrays Philip in the series, told us he would have had no interest in pursuing a role in a Christian show. But a chance, or perhaps divine, encounter with Justin Bieber changed Yoshi's perspective. Yoshi recounted when Bieber shared his faith with him and invited him to church when they came across one another on a hike in Southern California. It all started when Yoshi heard a commotion through the trees. At first, he ignored it, until he heard someone directly ask him a question from across the way. That's where we'll pick up the conversation. Hey, what are you reading over there? And uh, I look over and it was Justin Bieber. And uh, I was <laughs> so uh, I look over and I told him what I was reading and you know, we start conversing from afar. And I was like, I can't really hear you, man. Why don't you come join me? So uh, he did and we, we sort of related on some of the trauma that we were working through and um, had a conversation on this cliffside for some time. And, and he interrupted me at one point and, and, uh, and said, uh, you know, I, I, I'm starting to interrupt, but I really feel in my bones that I'm meant to introduce you to my church. Um, so would you come? And, and at the time, I had no real interest in any kind of church. But uh, as I said to him, you know, I'm not going to say no to you, man. You're Justin Bieber, so let's go. Uh, but he was really cool about it. He's like, you know, if you, if you like it, we'll stay. And if you don't, then we can go and grab a beer. And so I was like, all right, cool. Um, no pressure. Let's go. Um, long story short, I ended up going to that church every Wednesday for about six months. And so I had the Old Testament in my head, and now suddenly I'm learning the New Testament from this church that wasn't trying to pull me in. They weren't trying to convert me in any kind of way. They were just teaching the parables of the New Testament and explaining what they might mean. Uh, so I have all this knowledge now about what the Bible is about. I'm reading it on my own for the first time, and uh, suddenly this audition comes in. And so I felt... Uh, very prepared for it, and uh, it felt like something I really wanted and was really motivated to get. And so, uh, and here we are. One of the most fascinating phenomena about The Chosen is the fact that it's drawing all kinds of audiences. Rather than just Christians, the series has attracted the attention of skeptics and agnostics and even non-believers. With season three right around the corner, we asked Yoshi why he thinks the Bible-based series has such broad appeal. Everyone who makes this show they do a really good job in making this approachable to all people. Um, there isn't so much an element of we are in a secret, you know, group that knows the the truth to reality. And if you want to come in, you know, you're going to have to like think like us or behave like us. I think that you know, if if we're doing the show justice, what we're doing is we're just trying to take these, this text and create a visual environment that represents what the text says. And then for that, you know, here, here's a, I hope we have time, I'll try to make this quick, but this just came to my mind, you know, like Stranger Things just did, uh, I haven't seen it, but I'm aware of this phenomenon with Kate Bush where, you know, because my, my girlfriend who's sitting over here, is a huge Kate Bush fan, and Kate Bush has this song running up that hill that she made in the 80s that, you know, was big with Kate Bush fans, but, you know, was never on the charts or anything and has long been forgotten unless you're a Kate Bush fan uh, or, you know, like a deeply musical person. Um, and suddenly, Stranger Things uses the song in their season finale, um, and the younger generation, uh, you know, that's on TikTok and stuff, 
just like blows up the song blows up they fall in love with it and i think what you know they never would have discovered that song on their own because i think some songs might need a visual acuity a visual representation for people to for their synapses to connect the dots you know like otherwise they might hear the song and it might not even register with them but the visual uh, representation combined with the song creates this narrative for them that they're able to then understand and then they become huge fans of the song and the song blows up on TikTok and suddenly Kate Bush has the number one song in the world you know 40 years after she made the song which is just insane but I think maybe there's a similar phenomenon happening with our show is that um, you know people who are agnostic or you know uh, just not interested in faith now will have a way of understanding the text without all this dogma surrounding their entryway. You know, they're, they're able to just freely make up their minds for themselves and connect to the material with their with their eyes now. So maybe there's a there's a there's a similar sort of thing happening there. At the time you're hearing this podcast, The Chosen has been viewed more than 420 million times, so there's no doubt the series is resonating with people around the world. The show's creator, Dallas Jenkins, also just announced this week that season three will get the red carpet treatment. The first two episodes of the new season will premiere back-to-back in theaters on November 18th. All right, Trey, thanks for that conversation. That leaves us with time for one last thing, and I want to look at uh, Second Peter 2 today, and it starts in verse 18, talking about false teachers and false prophets, and says, They entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. So I wanted to throw that one out there, guys, because I think there are a lot of promises out there in the world um, just like this, it's a, they're going to promise you freedom. They're going to promise you happiness. They're going to promise you something, but you still then become enslaved to these things, whatever it is that's not God. Yeah, I mean, you're enslaved to the sin, right? Yeah. And I think that's what's so interesting because the world's perception is that becoming a Christian makes you a slave, right? Yeah. Like when you're not a believer, you look at it and you're like, I don't want to be like those people. I can't do whatever I want. Not recognizing that doing whatever you want is actually restraining and containing yourself in a really unhealthy way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is, is that as human beings, we're wired to have a, a master, right? We're wired to worship something. Uh, and if we all have that void, and if we don't fill it with a relationship with the Lord, which is the only correct way to to address that, it's going to be, that vacuum's going to be filled with something. So yeah. we're all, like you said, to your point, Billy, we're all a slave to something. We're all susceptible to something. We're all worshiping something. So is it going to be something fleeting that's harmful to us and those around us? Or is it going to be to the Lord? Yeah. Yeah, there's that that misnomer of freedom outside of it. Like, yes, right. I want to be a slave to Christ. I, I want to right. be uh, serving well, Him, yes. right? Yeah, because when you're a slave to Christ, you get to be an heir to to the kingdom, right? Yes, but people yeah. view that, that are unbelievers, view that as a bad thing, and they want to free them. Oh, just free yourself from the shackles of religion. and But then they don't realize that then they're not freeing themselves. They're just becoming, right. as you said, Billy, slaves to sin, Overall, and lies. yes, and lies, and lies which yeah. is even obvious, which is obviously worse and leaves you in a state of, you know, thinking you're free, but you're still going to have that consternation inside your soul. Um, realizing, as Romans 1 says, that, you know, we're um, grading against God's design for us. And so 
there's going to be that internal conflict. Uh, you just you just won't be able to avoid that. And so, um, don't buy into those to those promises, those false promises from uh, from sometimes quite honestly people who even be are professing to be Christians. So it can be quite tricky out there. So. All right, that's all the time we have for this Friday. Junior, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We are going to be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. We'll see you here tomorrow. God bless.